Hey, St. John. Welcome to the Post-Sermon Podcast. I am Deacon Estalia, and with me today is Pastor Adam. Hey, y'all. Today we will be discussing the sermon from one of our Wednesday services during the season of Lent. So, Pastor, how are you today? I'm doing well. We are getting really close to Holy Week. Are you ready? Am I ready? I'm always excited for Holy Week, but we are still getting some of those last details in place. So not ready, but excited. Yes. So let's get to your sermon on Wednesday. We are on the Judge Jephthah. Can you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, Jephthah the Judge. Uh, We don't know a whole ton about him outside of his story. Uh, He's someone who is uh, rejected even amongst his family, kind of an outcast. What's interesting is he is a judge over just a part of Israel. And this is something to remember with the judges. It may not be the entire nation of Israel that's afflicted by whichever um, other nation or, or so on. And this was a very difficult text that we heard in church about Jephthah. It's a, it's a difficult text because it just tells us here are the things that happened and there's not really any commentary on it. We've talked before about the difference between prescriptive and descriptive text in scripture. And a, a prescriptive is saying, hey, here's what you should do. Here's what you should not do. We think like the Ten Commandments or when Paul is speaking in, in Romans chapter 12 about uh, not being conformed to the patterns of this world. But a descriptive text is saying, here's the facts, here's the report, here's what happened at this time, and doesn't provide the commentary or the the editorial nature of writing. We get some really challenging scenes here with Jephthah, not only the, the idolatry and the apostasy committed by the people, uh, but also Jephthah's own foolishness, his own mixture of beliefs in Yahweh and the false beliefs of the pagan gods, how disastrous that is for for Jephthah, for his family, for his daughter, and and so on. And I'll be asking you more questions specifically about his daughter in a moment, but let's go to your sermon and talk about the the problem that it sought to identify, because I think you're getting to it with what you were saying about the idolatry. Can you expand on that problem? Yeah, it's, it's honestly the original problem. Do we fear, love, and trust in God above all things, or do we not? Uh, Back in the garden, in the beginning, Adam and Eve had the word of the Lord, of what they were to do and not to do in the garden. And along comes the tempter, asking, did God really say? And the original sin is not trusting in what God has said, not fearing him, not loving him above all things. And so I wanted to lean into that with uh, the book of Judges. I wanted to lean into that with Jephthah here, and especially with how the reading begins by listing off all the different gods, where you had the Baals, the Ashtoreth, you had the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, the gods of the Philistines. It's just a huge list. And you even get this dialogue here with the people that the Lord throws his people into destruction. He has other nations rise up against them. And the Lord even says, why don't you ask one of those gods you worship? Why why won't they help you? And the Lord even says things like, therefore, I will not save you. And these are really tough words of law here. And And it all boils down to the first commandment and how we ought to heed this commandment as seriously as well. Uh, that we pray the Lord would never say something like that to us. So then the the problem is that we disobey the first commandment, that Jephthah and the Israelites disobeyed the first commandment. Right, right. And every time we sin, it is a breaking of the first commandment. There's another podcast I listen to, and they uh, play a game called Ten Commandments in the News. And they talk about a news story, and 
they say which commandments are involved. And so if there was a, you know, a murder, maybe involve, you know, the fifth commandment and maybe the fourth commandment thing about the governing authorities and how the police are involved, or if there's some sort of a Hollywood affair, you know, you get the sixth commandment and maybe the seventh commandment was stealing and, you know, how do, uh, you know, the lawyers handle the divorce affairs and that sort of thing, or the coveting of other stuff, you get nine and 10, but they would always say, well, the first commandment, and then they get into the rest because every sin goes back to the first commandment of uh, fearing, loving, and trusting God above all things. So you mentioned the destructiveness of Jephthah's sin. Now, is our sin as destructive as Jephthah's? I mean, we see child sacrifice that's going on here. Before God, all sins condemn. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And James makes this point in chapter two, if you break the law at one point, you're guilty of breaking the entire law. And so before God, all sins merit death. All sins are worthy of God's wrath. And so there's, there's one part of the answer there. The other piece is to recognize on a horizontal level, sins have different severity, different consequences, different boundaries that need to be brought up after the fact. And, and we're not saying that, you know, stealing $100 is the same as child sacrifice, right? Uh, and, and the Lord even recognizes this on a horizontal level. This is why the Lord vehemently condemns these wicked paganistic practices. One of the pagan gods, as mentioned, time again in the Old Testament, is the god Molech. Molech, that religion, that cult, demanded child sacrifice. And it's, it's awful if you look at the details of what was involved there. And usually when Molech is introduced in the Old Testament, it's he's introduced as the detestable God, Molech. And so before God, all sins bring about death in our lives. Horizontally, there are different grades of sins. There are different severities when it comes to sin. And we know this too. We think about our criminal laws, our penal codes, how parents will discipline their children, what kind of punishment is is appropriate for the offense. So it's good to look at the horizontal level. There's different kinds of sins that can affect our neighbors differently. But then on a vertical level, before God, all sins are destructive and damnable. Right. And so that that vertical and horizontal distinction is, is quite critical. Absolutely. Let me ask you another question about Jephthah's sin. Why did Jephthah sacrifice his daughter? You mentioned that he knew some of God's story, what he had done for the Israelites. But what part of the story did he not know? Why did he fall into this sin? Jephthah all of a sudden makes this vow to the Lord that if he's successful in battle, whatever walks out of his house first, he will offer up as a burnt offering. Already that is just off. That's not the kind of behavior, that's not the kind of worship that Yahweh expects of his people. And part of what makes it so tough is Jephthah, in discussion with the, with the people of Israel, he brings up the Exodus. He talks about how the Lord rescued the people from Egypt. He knows some of the story, and yet he doesn't know other parts of it. Or he has replaced parts of that story with paganistic practices, with other false religion stuff. By making vows like that? Right. It, it, it's, just, it's just out of sync. Uh, with with what a, a follower of Yahweh would do, what, what a Christian would do. Now, in the text, did God ever punish Jephthah for the sin? Now you get into some of the stuff of what did not make it into the sermon. You know, I could have gone into comparing uh, Abraham and Isaac, right, where the Lord actually tells Abraham to go and sacrifice his son, and then the Lord actually stops this, right? He sends his angel, right? you know, Abraham, wait. 
and he provides a substitute. You know, why is the Lord stop here and not there? We think about so many times in our lives where we see news stories, especially pertaining to children who are just victims and and innocent bystanders in a lot of ways. And because of some uh, some foolish mistake, even just a, a complete accident, how children can become casualties and victims of outright evil and sin. This is one of the challenges of the problem of evil and the reality of suffering. And that's very often why the sermons, especially for the judges, have been, here's the evil before us. Here's what's going on. Look what our sin has done. Thankfully, God has acted ultimately and finally in his son, Jesus. Because it is through Jesus, evil will be undone. It is through Jesus that sin is forgiven. It is through Jesus, death will be reversed. All will be restored. And you just got to the next question I was going to ask you was, how did you get to Jesus then in your sermon? I went into the mystery of how God rescues us. Because at the end end of the day, we don't keep the first commandment. We can't restore our relationship to God God has to be the one to do it. We talk about as Christians how we are justified. And when we say justified, we mean God makes us right with him. He justifies us. He acquits us of our sins. He remedies the situation. And he does it on his terms and his ways. And and I mentioned the mysterious work of the Holy Trinity, that God the Father pours out his wrath and his destruction upon God the Son. And some, from our standpoint, will try to criticize that and, you know, how wicked of um, this Heavenly Father. And, and, and our response is simply, let the Holy Trinity be the Holy Trinity. Let God be God, because we certainly are not. I quoted Romans 8, He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The mystery of God at work is that he does give up his Son, he does not spare his son for us. And so even we, in even through just foolish, wicked vows like Jephthah, we in our sins, we in our accidents, we in whatever suffering and in whatever ways that we create victims and hurt each other and evil comes about, the father has given his answer. He's done his work through his son and he's raised his son from the dead. And by the Spirit, God adopts you into his family of sons and daughters. And you talk about being ready for Holy Week. I pray that we would be ready to hear that story once again and to look on in awe that this is, this is the mystery of the Trinity. This is the mystery of God at work to rescue us. And this is why we read so much scripture this week in, in Holy Week, because there's just too much to probe. There's too much to reflect on. There's too much to understand. And we only get a piece of it each time. A lot of the sermon is just throwing up our hands and saying, I don't know, thanks be to God. He's done it. We trust him. At the end of the day, that's all we can do as Christians, to fear, love, and trust in him above all things because he has acted. Something else you mentioned in your sermon was the scandal of particularity, how Jesus is the only Savior. Can you expand on that a little bit? It can be a very challenging truth for people to wrestle with, that Jesus really is the Savior of all mankind. And just to let that sit and sink in that there is only one way to salvation, and it is Christ. And we firmly believe this as Christians. And yet, only Jesus, only Him, that's quite a scandalous statement. And it's quite a particular statement to say, but that's the Christian answer to it all. 
probably the most explicit teaching on this would be the book of Romans. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are about how neither Jew nor Gentile all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All have no excuse. No matter what. No matter how much God has revealed or not, no, there's no excuse. And all have been justified through Christ. I wanted to uh, direct our attention to that scandal of particularity. I want to direct our attention to Christ because amongst all the evil, amongst all the suffering, amongst all the sin, Jesus is still the answer. And to, and to cling to that goodness that's there. In a lot of ways, the scandal of particularity is also reminding us of the first commandment that you shall have no other gods. And our God is the one who is crucified and risen. Our God is the one who stills the nail wounds in his hands. Our, and that God is for you. So I have a here submitted question. This goes back to the text we're talking about. So Jephthah's daughter, why did his daughter weep for her virginity? I think what's hard about that question is it's still in the context of just this awful vow of Jephthah's that he's actually going to follow through with it. That even his daughter is like, okay. I mean, that's what just seems. And, and, and so it's, I really just have a hard time thinking through that question. I guess one thing that's worth saying and pointing, especially in the Old Testament, there is a lot of discussion about progeny and the need to have descendants. Time and again, the Lord instructs his people, you know, when your children ask these things, there's, there's always a, a thought about the future, about progeny, about the next generation. It's a huge theme in the Old Testament. And so it doesn't surprise me here to see this daughter weep that this is not going to be her course. And that would explain some of the, can I have this time to grieve that this will not be the, the reality for me? Again, couched amongst just a wicked vow amongst pagan practices and child sacrifice and all this evil too. Like, not, I'm not dismissing any of that and I still feel awkward talking about that. But there's definitely that, that, that desire for uh, the handing on to the next generation. This wraps up the episode for today. Thank you for listening to today's discussion. In case you missed today's sermon or when to listen to it again, the link to the sermon is in the show notes. You can also find the sermon on our church website, stjohndublin.org. If you, the listener, would like to submit a question about a sermon, please email us at podcast at stjohndublin.org. Or if you'd prefer to text a question, please text the phone number found in the show notes. Thank you, Pastor Adam, for joining me and for feeding us the word this week. See y'all. All right. Take care. Bye.